This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. As soon as Jesus and his disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In Mark's Gospel, we meet a Jesus who is secretive. He does not want his miracles shouted about, and even the demons are ordered not to speak of him. After the miracles of healing recorded in today's reading, Jesus steals away in the early hours of the morning to avoid those who his disciples tell him are searching for him, doubtless in hope of further miracles. Instead, he beats it out of town and heads to Galilee, where he can proclaim the message he came to proclaim. What's going on here? If he were a modern-day politician, we'd never hear the end of the miracles. He'd probably make up some that he didn't do and uh, also claim somewhere that people actually healed themselves. But that's, of course, not Jesus. What Jesus wanted to make sure of was that people would not regard healing miracles as what he was all about. He did not want to give the impression that works of healing were an end in themselves. Jesus wanted the people to see and wants us to see that the miracles of healing pointed beyond themselves to something much greater. They pointed to the ultimate healing of God's shalom. This is the message he went to the towns of Galilee to preach, the coming of God's reign, the reign of God's shalom, of wholeness, life, peace, freedom, justice, and joy. The healing works of Jesus point beyond themselves to the ultimate healing of everlasting life.
So we want to embrace God's healing presence among us in our world today, and we want to celebrate the arts of healing, for even uh, they point to an even greater hope. Some years ago, when I was beginning to teach my class at the seminary, a secretary came in to interrupt to tell me that my daughter had been in a very serious accident, and the physician on her case was on the phone now. He listed her many injuries so frighteningly extensive that my first response was, are we going to lose her? He said he thought, he thought not. He, she was hanging in there. I flew out to see her right away, the rest of the family close behind me. I was shown into the intensive care unit where she lay hooked up to all manner of tubes and machines. First I wept, and then unaccountably I prayed for an angel to watch over her. Now I never thought of angels, except maybe at Christmas, but that's what the Spirit led me to do. Well, in, this time, in time she made a full recovery. Was there an angel involved? I don't know. Certainly God was there. Was it the skill of the medical team that brought her through? Certainly they were key players in this drama. What I want to stress in addition, however, is the healing power of community. This daughter is my actor, director, producer daughter. And when I arrived in the waiting room, it was overflowing with theater people who knew they would not be admitted to the ICU to see her and console her, but they were there nonetheless to keep their vigil. One of their number voluntarily moved out of her apartment so the family would have a place to stay for as long as needed. Others of this theater community produced a benefit show to cover expenses that Actors' Equity Insurance did not completely cover. And, of course, the family was always there, too. It was not just her body that was healed. It was her whole person in loving community. And this is Shalom. So we are called also then to be a community of healing in the service of the greater hope of God's shalom. And afflictions are not only those of traumatic accidents or serious illness. For combat veterans whose spirits have been wounded and consciences crushed by what they have had to do or witness, healing for them often happens in sharing their wounds with others in community where judgment is suspended and grace abounds. They are those of today's world who need to be delivered from their demons. Many of us are wounded in spirit as well, just by the trials of life and the sorrows of failure or great loss. These are the wounds that steal our peace. These are the wounds that drive us at times into a spiral of self-reproach and for some even self-loathing. The community of Christian faith can and should be a community of healing because in it God is present with the healing power of the forgiveness of sins. Being together as a church 
locked in the arms of divine forgiveness that liberates us from all forms of condemnation, this is a community in which we can look at each other with the healing power of loving acceptance. That healing power of forgiveness points beyond the moment to the future it brings. That is Jesus' message that he went to preach in Galilee, even as he comes here to proclaim it to us in baptism, in the Eucharist, in the words of absolution, and in the electric current that runs through us all as we quietly speak grace to each other in the sharing of the peace and joy of one another's company. In the ministry of healing, it is also important to observe that healing and curing are not always the same. Theologian Dorothea Sella said the Christian faith relates to suffering not merely as a remover and consoler. A person's wounds are not taken from him. Even the risen Christ still had his scars. And another named Bruce Morrill speaks of the sacramental ministry of the church, the service of healing as affecting healing in the midst of illness rather than always cure. A student of mine who was a combat veteran listened to our conversation about moral injury in class and suddenly began relating a terrible experience he had had in the war that drove him to despair and addiction. He was brought back to the church and faith by a Christian mentor, and healing gradually occurred, his life and faith restored. But, he emphasized, he has healed, but he has not been cured because the wounds of that event remain with him and always will. And so it is with all of us in this not-yet world of ours. The assurance of our salvation is is ours right now. But the fullness of the promise of new life awaits the future. Our sins are indeed forgiven. They belong to Christ now. But the marks of the most grievous ones remain with us. Healing in the midst of illness, not always cure, is an important insight as we think further about our healing and God's shalom. Healing may well be finding the spiritual resources to deal with illness or disability, with loss or sorrow. Prayers for healing as cure do not always get answered, even though we desire them ardently. Prayers of solace for solace and strength in the face of illness or loss are answered, but sometimes only after persistence or perhaps through the presence of loved ones at the bedside, caregivers, or a loving community who are part of God's answer to that prayer. Ethicists and philosophers have for some time debated about the end-of-life decisions for those who are nearing the final hours of their earthly journey. And I suspect that discussion will continue because end-of-life decisions continually need to be made. As one wise Christian ethicist who wrote on these matters observed, that in the end, the best ministry we can provide, medical or otherwise, is to keep company with people in our care 
all the way to the end. That is healing through the sharing of the promises of God's shalom. Healing and cure may not always be the same. Jesus wanted that understood in his desire for people to hear his message and see beyond his healing works and their desire for cure. He wanted their faith and attention turned toward the final cure of the reign of God's shalom that he came to proclaim and to bring in through his death and resurrection. It's interesting that uh, the text says of Simon's mother-in-law that Jesus lifted her up. This is the same verb in Greek used of the resurrection. Whether Mark intended it or not, the connection is intriguing indeed. But the text goes on to say that once healed healed of the fever, she got up and began to serve them. God's healing touch in our lives enables to serve others as agents of healing. That may be being a source of comfort of one's presence and understanding. It may be an ear ready to listen and reassure. It may be through acts of volunteer service to those in need. It may be a matter of sharing tears when only tears are possible. The thing is, we are all in need of healing one way or another. We are all wounded by life's bad moments or the words and actions that haunt our consciences. When we seek to be a healing presence for others, we do so then as wounded healers. This is the insight of the Dutch priest Henry Nouwen, wounded healers. Physicians, perhaps even spiritual leaders like pastors, have a certain amount of training that enables them to provide services of healing that others may not, but even they are wounded healers. And the best of them are good at what they do because out of the ingrained memories of their own hurt, they can empathize with the needs of those who seek them out. And empathy is the key. To empathize is to be in solidarity with others in need. Stephen ministers are schooled in the caregiving behaviors that support and express the empathy they bring to their ministry. And we can be grateful for those who give themselves to that service. Still, all of us are, all of us are, like Simon's mother-in-law, lifted up to serve. And we are equipped by our own wounds to bring the healing to wounded spirits. For you see, when we reach out in an effort, however small or passing, to be a healing presence, there is another wounded healer with us in the task, the greatest wounded healer of all, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.